Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Now, again, for the second time, the last two weeks, I am recording this podcast session. You could find it on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube page, youtube.com backslash C backslash Bleeding Green Nation SBN. Find us on there, subscribe. We got almost 400 subscribers. More subscribers, more likes, more positive comments. The best for us, the best for the network. We continue to create great content because of that. Now I'm recording this middle of Monday afternoon, 1.56 p.m. on the 8th of March. And what's rocking Eagles world right now? I have a couple things I want to talk about. I'm excited. For those watching on YouTube, I got my. I went to the Phillies New Era store the other day. I wanted this black hat with a white P, a fitted hat. I haven't worn a fitted hat since like sophomore year of college, but Kyle Lowry's been rocking it. I won him on the Sixers. The Sixers need to swing a big trade for him. I know a lot of people out there are probably Sixers fans if they're Eagles fans. And Jalen Hurts has been wearing it in a bunch of offseason videos. So I gotta. I got to jump on the bandwagon and grab that, but they didn't have it. Went and grabbed this long sleeve tie-dye shirt. I'm vibing. It has that spring feeling. Phillies are in spring training, ready for that season to kick off as well. But in the Eagles world today, there is a lot of talk, as there always seems to be, but maybe a bit more confidence and legitimacy to this talk is the status about Jalen Hurts as the Eagles starting quarterback in 2021. Obviously, the Eagles, you know, I talked about this on last week's podcast, is Merrill Reese was talking about, oh, yeah, we love Jalen Hurts, or, you know, he seems like he has the confidence. I have a ton of confidence in his leadership ability, this, that, his arm strength, his, his lack of arm strength is overblown. Merrill's citing, you know, miles per hour stats from the combine for him. A little weird, as I said. But today we got a couple bits of news. Chris Mortensen of ESPN, one on air, said Jalen Hurts is the guy. Lori wants to, as in Lori meaning Eagles owner Jeffrey Lori, Lori wants to do everything he can to help him be successful. They don't want to bring him in. They don't want to bring in competition for him. And then Mort follows up on a Les Bowen tweet. Les says from the Philadelphia Daily News, great respect to Mort report, but if the Eagles really are sure about Jalen Hurts going forward, that's a conclusion they could have come up with to very, very recently, and I don't think he's produced any new tape to evaluate. Morton says, I would not report the Eagles have internal unanimity 
on Hertz as QB1. But sources say the boss, Jeffrey Lurie, has instructed his group to prioritize making Hertz successful in 2021 as opposed to creating a true competition. Now, am I a Jalen Hurts guy? Obviously. I got this new thing. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm plugging the crap out of YouTube. Subscribe. I'm doing a lot of work. Trying to expand my reach, expand my multimedia possibilities. Did something new in my office. I put a nail in the wall. And now every episode, I'm going to hang up a different Philadelphia sports jersey. Or maybe it's a college jersey or whatever. Right now, I'm rocking. I'm, I'm, i got to get used to the inverted mirror over here. The way the, the camera goes. But I have hanging up today an Oklahoma Sooners Jumpman Jordan number one jersey. For one, Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts gets traded or isn't good, I could just sell it on eBay to an Arizona Cardinals fan because it's the same number that Kyler Murray were. Optionality, baby. But I'm taking Mort's comments today with a lot of significance. We've seen rumblings from, again, Merrill Reese or people talking about how you know the teammates, the young guys on the team really responded to Hurts in the last few games that last month of the 2020 season. They gave him some juice. Jalen Hurts' juice above replacement was off the charts in December. He f was fun. He brought some energy and excitement to an Eagles team that was devoid of it all season long when Carson went center center. Now Carson's gone. They're thinking, are they going to hand the job to Jalen? Are they going to draft a QB at six? Are they going to bring in a Jacoby Brissetta, a Tyrod Taylor, to compete with him? But it seems that, yeah, maybe they're going to bring in a low tier guy from the free agent market. I, I like Marcus Mariota. They're not going to trade for him at his salary. If he gets cut, that's an option. But increasingly so, it looks like the Eagles aren't going to take a quarterback at number six. And I'm okay with that. I like Justin Fields a lot, but I love Jalen Hurts. I love me some Jalen Hurts. And surrounding him, we have Jason Kelsey coming back. That's huge. Bringing stability to the offensive line is so key to a young quarterback's development. We saw in his first two years in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz had a dominant offensive line. And it was it was rough a little bit when Lane Johnson went out with that juice. Not juice above replacement. The literal juice you're shooting yourself up with. Eight-game suspension in 2016. But when Lane's out there, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey. When they're healthy, those three could be the best players at their respective position on the offensive line. And Brooks is... A medical miracle in a way, the way he responds to injuries. And yes, he missed all of last season, but he was practicing towards the end of the season. Maybe if the Eagles were in the playoff push, and a legitimate playoff push. I know they could have technically made the postseason with five or six wins and a disgraceful performance. He could be great. You could have that entire right side of the line in the center with Jason Kelsey solidified. And again, whether it's Hurts or Justin Fields or whomever... That's great for their development. And again, it looks like it's going to be Hurts. I would love to draft a quarterback. Not a quarterback, sorry. A wide receiver to go with Hurts. At number six, your Jamar Chase. Devonta Smith. Jalen Waddle. He was on Adam Schefter's podcast today. Jalen Hurts, Monday's Adam Schefter podcast. A 25-minute podcast. He comes on at the 810 mark if you want to go listen. And he know he speaks candidly about Jalen Waddle. He, you know, Adam says... Oh, do you want them to draft Jalen Wallace Texas? obviously he's, you know, playing it both ways, saying, oh, yeah, I can't say about that. You're going to get me in trouble type thing. But we do have a couple quotes that 
the great Brandon Lee Gallon has written up on BleedingGreenNation.com, which you're obviously reading if you're watching this, if you're listening to the From the Bleachers podcast on the wonderful, as I say, the wonderful BGN Radio. And Shefty asks him, what are your thoughts on heading into your second season as the presumed starting quarterback? Jalen says, I think nothing for me, I think nothing changes for me in my mindset. I need to wear glasses. I look better without glasses if I have a hat on. I'm rocking this Supreme hat right now. Hype beast mindset, but it's a little hard to read the screen, but I'm going to get going. Going in every day, trying to get better as a player. Be the best leader I can be. Impact the guys around me. And ultimately, it's about winning football games, and the interest is in doing that. So, my mentality, it doesn't alter, not one bit. I love his attitude. I think he's got the skills on the field. I think he's dynamic. He's got the juice. He creates plays. He creates excitement. He creates big plays. The Eagles never have big plays. That happens in 2017. We need to run up the score sometimes. And yeah, they didn't really do that this past season. There are a lot of holes in the offense. He looked amazing in the Cardinals game. They put up some big points. And maybe, if not for some untimely errors earlier in the game by Hertz, or you know, a piece of crap defense under Jim Schwartz, who, again, I'm a Schwartz defender, but defense, you know, the last couple games of the season, they're starting guys off the street in the secondary. It wasn't that great. But Hurts, you add in another year of development for Jalen Rager. Nick Sirianni, new head coach, spent a lot of time as a wide receivers coach. Is he a wide receiver whisperer? Does he get the most out of Travis Fulgham? Do they bring in, again, a Jamar Chase, a Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, and watch them blossom into a true number one receiver? Not just number one receiver for this team, but one of the best receivers in the NFL. I believe it. I believe all three of those guys can be Pro Bowl talents in this league, could make an all-pro team, and could help the Eagles from day one, just as Jeff, just, just as Justin Jefferson did for the Vikings last year and should have for the Eagles. Say that three times fast. Just as Justin Jefferson. Shefty also asks Hertz about the Carson Wentz trade. How could he not? Shefty, and what was your reaction to the team trading Carson? Jalen says, Kind of kept the same mentality that I've had this whole time in terms of me being the best player I can be. It ain't too much of my business. I don't get into that. Smart answer. Smart answer. I would like to see him a little cocky like I would love that, but you can't really say that. But I respect what he's saying. Shefty continues on. So when it comes down and he is traded, are you surprised? Jalen responds, I think it's just an opportunity for me. I think it shows the trust and what I can be as a player so I want to prove them right, Shefty says. And what did you learn from Carson working with him in your first season in the NFL, Jalen? Well, this is a long-winded response. Carson has a lot of experience. His five years of experience, I've always said, is a lot more to me than my one or four games, rather. But just seeing how he handed stuff on the field, being around all the quarterbacks in the room, coaches, to see the perspective of the game, seeing what they like to do, seeing what they do, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't really say he learned anything from Carson. He goes, you got to be around him every day. So what did you expect him to do this season in Indianapolis? Jalen says, I extend him my blessings. I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope he takes off. Hope he has a great remainder of his career. Sheffy, closing up, did you have any interaction in communication with him after the trade, Jalen? Hertz responds, two words, five letters, it means the world. Whatever that line is, no services. I'm not surprised. How could that relationship be good? And I'm not saying Carson Wentz is a bad guy. I like Jalen Hurts. I wanted Carson Wentz traded. But how could Carson love this guy when he comes in and it seems like the 
the end of the Carson Wentz era in Philadelphia dates back to day two of the, tra- the draft in 2020 with the 53rd pick and the Eagles selected Jalen Hurts. That was the beginning of the downfall of Wentz, and it seems like it affected them mentally. I understand that. It, you know, It's only human to be affected by that. And as Carson is, as we all are, we're human beings with emotions and feelings. And I understand it, but at the same time, you're a quarterback in the National Football League that either lights a fire under your butt or you collapse. And again, maybe not the most fair pick in the world, maybe kind of a weird pick in the sense that they could have used legitimate building blocks that could have played the majority of last year and been immediate starters, plug-and-play starters. And maybe in the end, the Hurts pick was good. Maybe Wentz kind of falls off regardless of the Jalen Hurts pick happens. And, you know, I'm in on Jalen Hurts. Maybe he turns into, you know, above-average starting quarterback this league, maybe a top-10 guy, maybe a pro bowler. And then we do view it as a great pick. I don't know. Chris Mortensen. What else we got from Mort? No, he says that. Word on the bird. He has this video on ESPN. I trust Mort. The Eagles do a lot of leaks. Talk to some people. Chris Mortensen is a guy that gets a lot of leaks from the Eagles. Neither, nor is Adam Schefter. So I'm taking his... Mort doesn't BS. He's not one of these fake reporters out there sourcing out of their butt, just making crap up for clicks and views. Mort's respected. Mort's one of the industry leaders doing it for decades. I trust what he says. And the way players have responded on social media, the Jalen Hurts hyping him up, kind of saying, hey, you know, Lane Johnson posted that gif. We're going to be all right. He posted after the one trade. It seems like there is an increased vivacity for the team in the aftermath of the Hurts trade, of the Wentz trade, now bringing Hurts to the centerfold of the Eagles organization. And while I'm in on Hurts, I love this in the sense that I want him to be the quarterback going forward. I want to draft a player to complement him at number six, whether it's a receiver, those three guys that lined out, maybe in Penny Sewell. Sewell? We're going to pronounce that name wrong until he's in Philadelphia. Uh, the Pac-12 offensive lineman. You also have Kyle Pitts. Archbush or Wood, guys. So you would think I'm all in on him. He's from here, Kyle Pitts. All the respect in the world. He was a beast at Florida. Still a little weird about drafting a tight end at number six. I know other people love him. You know, Ben Natan, one of the great draft writers out there, writes for the great BGN, BleedingGreenNation.com. Loves Kyle Pitts. Could see him as a fit here. So I defer to people who know more about the draft than me. You know, I'm self-aware. Do I know most about the draft out there? No. But I'm bringing you the emotion, the fans' perspective, the insanity behind getting behind players or getting frustrated with players or understanding this organization from an emotional perspective. To build off that, the organization, well, again, I like Jalen Hurts being the guy. Jalen Hurts is my guy. Kind of, you know, hitched my wagon on him at the end of last season. Kind of turn face, turn heel. I became a Hurts guy. I might be the most vocal Hurts guy at BGN. I probably am. And I love it. Love the guy. He has the energy. We'll see what happens on the field this year. I think he's got the arm strength. He's throwing the ball downfield. He's not dinking and dunking. He wants those big plays. If you had a receiver at number six, he's going to get him. What concerns me about Mort? Well, not about him specifically, but what he said today in his tweets, what he said on ESPN, is the power Jeffrey Lurie is wielding within this organization. Howie Roseman isn't saying that Jalen Hurts 
is QB1. Nick Sirianni isn't saying that Jalen Hurts is QB1. Jeff Lurie, the owner, is the one saying Jalen Hurts is QB1. And again, I like Hurts. I'm okay with this developmental path. But if it's the owner putting that command down the chain, that's concerning. And I think I've turned this way. I've talked about it more. As we've seen the last few years, I think Jeffrey Lurie has increasingly meddled with football operations affairs. We think we painted him as this great owner. You know, and maybe he was during the Reed era. It seemed that when he first bought the team in the mid to the mid nineties, bought the team May 6, 1994, why I remember that it was the day I was born. So right off the bat he had a lot of control and then you bring in a great guy like Andrew Reed, you bring in a Joe Banner. They kind of let him do his thing. But now since then when Howie's coming back into power in twenty sixteen and the you know very, 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 very close relationship that Howie and Lori have with each other and kind of a father son relationship in a way, you see Jeff doing a little bit more in terms of putting commands out there, making the decisions rather than the GM. Does he have a, does he not trust Howie? I feel like he has to if he's kept him around this long. This isn't going to be the fourth head coach he's paired with. He has to like him in that regard. Or maybe he just says, Howie and I, we have a great relationship. I tell him what to do sometimes and he follows it. Jeff Flory is closer to Jerry Jones than any Eagles fan wants to admit. What makes it worse is that Stephen Jones, his son, his actual son, not his fake son like Harry Roseman, is a much better evaluator of talent than Roseman's been in the last couple of years. So we have this guy. I'm not saying he's a puppet for Lori. Howie certainly wields control within the organization. What we see with, it seems like Howie maybe wanted Doug Peterson to stay this offseason. And Lori said if he doesn't want to upgrade the guys around him in terms of the coaching staff, he's gone and then... Doug goes. Jeff Lurie is the main decision maker in Philadelphia. And that should be concerning for Eagles fans. Separation of power. Separation of church and state. Have checks and balances. The owner should hire a head football operations guy. Whether it's general manager, president, whatever you want to call this person. They are the number one decision maker in the organization. They are the football guy. Not saying football guy like he played 15 years in the league, has 10 concussions, you know, your concussion uncle joke. I'm saying someone who is in charge of all football operations. And while that, on the surface, may be Howie Rosen, I think we need to take a harder look in the mirror and realize that that person is actually the owner, Jeffrey Lord. And again, the Eagles have had a ton of success under Lord. They won a Super Bowl. They made a ton of NFC Championship games. During the read hour, were always in the playoff mix where they make the, miss the playoffs. They didn't miss the playoffs in back-to-back years under Reed. They hired him in 1999 until his last two years in Philadelphia. The infamous, uh, in the worst possible way, the opposite of iconic dream team season in 2011. They go 8-8, eight and eight, but they started the season 4-8. and eight. They were out of the mix you know, by the middle of the season. And then you also have the 2012 season, which was a disaster. Reed's last year in Philadelphia. The Eagles go 4-12, and 12, the worst record we've seen in the 21st century for the team, you know, Reed goes, they hired Chip, draft lane in the top four of the draft, I think. They were the fourth pick. And things have spiraled from there, and they won a Super Bowl. But things are in a bad situation again. 
And again, the Eagles have had success under Jeffrey Lurie. He's willing to spend a bunch of money, which he's always willing to have the top facilities, the top staffs, putting money into the organization that goes beyond just the salary cap. Yeah, most teams spend around the salary cap limit. It's not like baseball where you have the Yankees and the Marlins and all these you know teams crying poor and then the expense of big market teams like the Dodgers or whatever. Most teams spend a lot of money on the salary cap in the NFL. But the difference is, are you spending money in the developmental resources? And I think the Eagles do do that. And I think you have to respect Jeffrey Lurie for always wanting to put money out there to improve the organization, to win Super Bowls, to win divisions, to make the playoffs. But I don't want him being the guy who calls the shots. It's weird. And then, again, that video Mort says for ESPN, he talks about the Jalen Rager pick, 21st pick in the 2021 NFL draft. He says... Something went wrong with the Eagles' big board. They had Justin Jefferson ahead of him, but they took Jalen Riker. Now we've seen comments that the coaching staff liked him more. The coaching staff wanted Jalen Riker. The scouts wanted Justin Jefferson, so they went Jalen Riker. I don't buy that. Doug Peterson couldn't even pick his own assistants. You're telling me he had the sway to pick a first-round pick with the team? I don't believe it. Maybe the scouts like Justin Jefferson. Maybe... You know, Jeffrey Lurie and overcorrection said, we need some speed, we need some juice, let's you know draft this little Steve Smith-like guy from TCU. This rocked-up guy who could do you know jet sweeps, you know screens, go to go deep, post routes, whatever. And it didn't work out. Justin Jefferson might be on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And we're stuck here with Jalen Riker, who again, may turn into a good pro. Nowhere to really go but up. I think he's miscast as the top guy in Philly if they bring in a Jamar Chase and Devon Smith and Jalen Waddle. He'll be much better as the number two receiver in Philadelphia. We'll actually get to settle into a decent role going forward. Maybe eventually becomes a slot guy. Maybe he's on the outside. Whatever. He can still become a good pro, but we're never going to escape Justin Jefferson. And maybe that's because of Jeffrey Lurie. Again, Jeffrey Lurie spends a lot of money. They've won a lot under him, so you got to love that. But as the years have gone on, as the weeks and months have gone on in this offseason alone... It's increasingly clear that Jeff Lurie holds a little too much power in football affairs. Well, close things up. Just talk about the Vikings. And, you know, Justin Jefferson's on the Vikings and it sucks. And the Eagles pass on a guy who, you know, broke Randy Moss's rookie records. Randy Moss may have the best rookie season in the history of football, regardless of position. 17 touchdowns as a rookie? Randall Cunningham throwing to him. But anyway, last week, Kyle Rudolph, former Pro Bowl MVP himself, retired from the NFL. Career Viking. Decent player. Respect, bro. I don't care. Whatever. And he does the farewell in the Players' Tribune. A lot of players do that. That's cool. You know, I like they're probably ghostwritten, but, you know, I respect the craft and what they're going for over there. They, you know, they produce some good content sometimes. Respect. But he was talking about Sam Bradford in that. And he says, let me get the exact quote. He's saying Sam Bradford was a guy who he wished could be more healthy in his career. Could his career would have turned out better. And he's thanking all his teammates, you know, whatever. And he says the following regarding Sam Bradford. Guys like Sam Bradford, who never got the credit he deserved, but battled through injury for two years to try to get us over the hump. I sincerely believe that we win a Super Bowl in 2017. If Sam is healthy, such an incredibly talented dude, an unreal passer when his body was right. 
Kyle Rudolph go F off. Every member of the 2017 Vikings is a gigantic baby crybaby loser. They have a loser stench on them. And I'm aware Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, might be in that camp too. He's, you know, he spent a lot of time with the Vikings. But they're all losers. They're all crybabies. They never won anything. They have no backbone. Kyle Rudolph retires with zero Super Bowl rings. He is not a Super Bowl champion, but I'm a Super Bowl champion in my heart. If you're an Eagles fan and you're listening to this, you are a Super Bowl champion in your heart. You've won more Super Bowls than Kyle Rudolph. I'll tell you that. You deserve it. We all deserve that. And it's hilarious. They went 2-0 with Sam Bradford. You know, they start 2-0. Case Keenum comes in. Case Keenum had a good season. Got his numbers here. 3,500 passing yards, 22 touchdowns against just seven interceptions, completing 64.7% of his passes. Sam Bradford never threw 22 touchdown passes in a single season in his career. Not only would they not have been better with Bradford and won the Super Bowl, they probably would have been worse. And then just say they go 13-3 again. They are the second seed in the NFC. They, they do the Minnesota Miracle. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of Minnesota Miracle. <laughs> and they do that again even with Bradford, a quarterback, even though Bradford's never making that throw that Keenum does to Stefan Dix. Let's say they win that game. They come into Philadelphia. They have a chance to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium for the first time ever. For the first time for any team to do that. And that Sam Bradford walking into a link with thousands of fans wearing dog masks, chomping at the bit, little liquored up, hanging out in the parking lot for five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. You think Sam Bradford was making it out of that stadium alive? They would, you know, they, Case Keenum marches down the field in first drive, throws a touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. The game would have been like 57 nothing, 38 to 7. I talk about 38 to 7 all the time. We'd be talking about 49 nothing. We'd be talking about 63-0. That's the numbers we'd be talking about if Sam Bradford had started that game. Get out of here. Losers. Alvin Kamara, 2017 Saints. Saints fans, Vikings fans, you're all crybabies. I'm sick of it. Well, am I sick of it? I'm sick of hearing it, but I love talking about it. Know why? Because it makes me feel like a champion for the first time in a couple years. Especially with the stench of the 2020 season and how bad it sucked and how sap me of the energy that the Eagles provide me every fall and into the winter. But a couple times a year, I'm reminded of the Super Bowl run. I'm reminded, you know, the day of the NFC Championship game, the day of the Falcons game, the day of the Super Bowl, the day of the parade. And then once in a while, I am greeted with a gift. Like the one Kyle Rudolph has bestowed upon me, where he talks out of his butt and says something incredibly stupid that's not based in reality in any sense of the word. And then I come in, put my foot on his neck, stomp him, and drop a couple truth bombs. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm about. All right, it's going to wrap it up for me today. Yeah, good podcast. I like this. I like the video. Having fun doing it. Again, look it up. Bleeding Green Nation on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. We have 3,387 subscribers right now. Let's get the 400. Let's get the 400 by the draft. Let's make that goal. 400 by the draft. 500 by the time the season starts. Let's do it. Subscribe, like, review. Make sure to do that for the podcast on Apple and iTunes. Subscribe, leave a five-star review. Tell me how much you love From the Bleachers, how much you love Solak Show, how much you love BGN Radio, Babes on Broad, everything. And for my personal stuff, 
Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Seamus underscore Clancy. On Instagram, you could also follow the Breathing Green Nation Instagram that I run at Bleeding Green Insta, bringing you a ton of great Eagles content. If you love my podcast, if you love my tweets, if you love my writing, be sure to subscribe to my Patreon Philly Sports Newsletter from Broadview with Love, patreon.com backslash Seamus underscore Clancy. Go Birds! Maybe doing a mock draft next week. We're going to see what things go. We're definitely going to do at least one more uh, before the draft hits. I'm excited. Let's get rolling. Go Birds, baby. April 29th, where are you? I mean, we have free agency next week. The Eagles are going to be big players in that. But the draft is what it's all about right now. Jamar Chase, welcome to Philadelphia. Yeah.